Amen. God gives grace to the humble and resists the proud. There is not there is nothing going to happen in our life unless there is humility. And I uh, really appreciate the points that were brought forward. And no, we, we may not remember every detail, but we sure get the general idea. And God can only work with a humble heart. And it is evident when we see our will yielding into His. And humility, it's, it's very important. Without humility, there's nothing. When we come demanding our will, ourself, there's nothing. Because God is King. He is Lord. He is the Creator. And how He dealt with the, with the world since the foundations of it is how He deals with us. And it's up to us to come under His perfect will. So thank you for bringing these words this morning. I want to continue here with a prayer. We can rise to our feet in prayer before the Lord. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful and we are thankful for what you've brought so far this morning. We thank you of the reminder to walk humbly before our Lord, our God, and before our brothers and sisters, Lord. For we know, Lord, that you can work in humility in our heart. Our hearts are humble before you, that you can work your work of grace in our lives and work in us and conform us and shape us into your image. And Lord, we pray that we may see these things in our lives, that we are not lost in the pride of life and the, the snares of it, but Lord, that we come to you and to see the, the, your workmanship in our lives and yield ourselves to it, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, again for this hour this morning. And we pray, Lord, that our hearts are ready for you especially as we see the day approaching, ever so approaching, when we stand before the King of Kings and the Judge of all the earth. Our, may our hearts be ready and tuned in with you, Lord, and yielded to your will, Lord. And so we pray for your blessing again on the word this morning, that it may minister to our hearts, and that our hearts are ready to receive your word. Lord, we pray that you anoint the words coming forth and that your Holy Spirit may be here with us and move our hearts and that there's no room for the enemy or distraction from the enemy. Lord, you speak, you move, and we thank, ask you, Lord, that you fill this room with your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So greetings again in the name of Jesus and welcome to all the visitors. I, uh, the last message I had here, I think it was two weeks ago, I focused on a surrendered life to Christ. 
and why I felt that was so important. It's for growth and overcoming struggles in our life. While there is unsurrendered territory in our lives, there will be no growth, no victory in Christ. We will stand in one place, we'll spin our wheels, we'll struggle, and we'll, lose, we'll start to lose victories. And I've come to realize more and more that God wants all of our hearts. Again, this is where humility comes in. He wants all of us. All of us surrender to him. <clears throat> and as I mentioned last time, my heart for these messages are for those young people who are asking for baptism. And I know first when we come to him, we must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We are honest and we know and confess that we would be totally lost without him. So, today I want to speak on the, um, having a foundation and building on it. Once we are secured in Christ as our foundation, we build. And hopefully we build with uh, precious metals and not with burnable throwaways. And this is what I want to focus on this morning. And again, I want to point out that I assume the first part of our foundation is in order. Like repentance, as he puts in Hebrews 6.1. Repentance from dead works. This should be part of who we are. Repentance. We're not just grabbing a hold of the blessings of God without repentance. It won't last. There's again, if we don't repent, if there's no repentance, our foundation is already missing some key components. And a faith towards God, of doctrines of baptism, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. It's Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. Paul says it, or whoever wrote Hebrews. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. And he said, not laying again, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and the faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, of and of eternal judgment. So we can see through these verses, we, we see that what needs to be in order as we build our foundation, that we have to be clear. These are principal issues that we have to be at peace with. We don't need to go back and forth on repentance, on faith, who God is in our lives, our identity, how we baptize and what, what is baptism, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. There are some things that have to be clear in our life before we can build. I want to start out in Matthew 7, um, verses 24 and 29. <clears throat> if you can go there. 
These verses are in an interesting position. Jesus concluded his sermon on the mount with these verses. So he, he first gave a, a sermon that is still popular today. It's still as valid as it was when he spoke it. And then he finished with these verses. Verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that, that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Jesus assures us that through the struggles of life, we can find stability and strength if we believe in him with all our heart. And the evidence of our faith in believing in him is our acts of obedience. Not just hearing it, our acts of obedience to what is given. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. There's this warning of casual, complacent Christianity. When we hear the word, we see the word, we're pricked, and we do not adhere to the teachings of Christ. It's simply complacent. So when the tests and difficult times come in life, there is no foundation on which to stand. We fall, we crumble. There's, there's no foundation. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So what was he teaching on? He finished off with saying, if you will listen and do what I tell you, you will be secure. You will have a strong foundation. No matter what comes in life, you will stand. Storms, difficult times, you will stand. And yes, we'll see storms. It doesn't mean we will not Notice storms, it does not mean that we go unaffected. It doesn't mean we're out emotions. It's just we'll stand through them. Versus just hearing and not doing anything, we are building nothing. So it's in a being obedient to our faith is where we build our foundation. I believe... What I gather out of these chapters in Matthew 5, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is the basic kingdom devoted discipleship to life. Of being obedient to Christ in every area of our life, that is to put on Christ as we seek him and seek to do his will, and we partake of him. And I believe this is why he called it a foundation. In this teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he is pointing to down-to-earth issues in life. And there's nothing super spiritual about it. 
All he wants is our hearts and to follow him faithfully every day. First, he teaches on the Beatitudes, which are the reflection of a believer. I believe a believer who is faithfully following Christ, we can parallel that believer with the Beatitudes, step by step. It should be a reflection of who we are. Then he goes on to say that we are the salt and the light, a presentation of him. His glorious works being worked out here on earth through the church. He gives us that um, admonishment and encouragement that you are the light. You are the salt of the earth. And so he goes on teaching, loving our brother, sanctifying our marriages. In both cases, protecting our hearts, not just the outward, but protecting our hearts. He speaks on loving our enemies, fasting, laying up unnecessary treasures, trusting in God and serving him and him alone. And he ends chapter 7 with that all we need him and that we keep pursuing him because it's a narrow way that we are to travel. And he warns that many imitators will walk this road and to beware of them by their fruits. We shall know if they do the will of the Father, not by how spiritual they try to be but by their fruits. So all this, and adhering to Jesus' warning, I believe is how we build our foundation. He is the foundation on which we build, and we need a foundation. So it is in how much we put on Christ, we put on the teachings of Christ, is how much of a strongest foundation we're going to have. Now, for me, as I, there's always a difference in a message being planted in your heart and bringing it to fruition. To fruition. And for me, it was a little bit difficult in differentiating between a strong foundation and building on it. But I believe, I, I will come to the conclusion that in our hearts it needs to be clear who Christ is and that we follow and are obedient to Christ in every area that we can. And therefore, we are building a foundation on which to build on. And as we spoke in the opening, the humility that it takes to surrender every area to Christ and to put on Christ is our foundation. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we can start seeing how to build on a foundation. And we, and we can see all, all, also see there that Paul put a difference there in our foundation and in building. And we're going to come in at verse 9, and Paul is speaking to the Corinthians here, in whom he had labored and taught to them Christ and the salvation of Christ. And he had a lot, of, he had a lot invested in these people. In chapter 4, he viewed the Corinthians as his beloved children. Saying in verse 15, in Christ Jesus I have begotten you. So he speaks to them as a father in the faith. I have begotten you through the gospel. 
He was a father in the faith to them. So in verse 9, he writes, For we are God's fellow workers. 3.9 You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. When I look at these two verses, I see, and what I read, he brought to them Jesus. He brought to them the gospel, the salvation of Jesus is the answer. The pure gospel message. Putting on Christ and living in him. Trusting in his saving grace by forsaking our old lives of sin and shame and accepting his inviting gift of everlasting life. He then went on to say, another builds on it. As in saying, you are building now. How and with are you building? Another man builds on that foundation. And I see that that's us. We, he spoke to the Corinthians there, you're building on that foundation. Verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hair, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. And again... I see a correlation between what Jesus and Paul taught. Paul uses the analogy of fire. Jesus compared it to water and storms. Paul moved on in its emphasizing on building on Jesus. Now, the question is, what is gold and what is straw? The first one, obviously it's the best one, he used gold. And the last one was hay and straw. What is, what is gold in our life? How do we identify gold in our life? I think it's very simple. Jesus spoke about um, gathering treasures here where mud and rust does not corrupt, but, had, but that have eternal value. So what in our life has eternal value? It's, of course, investing in Christ. It's investing in other people. It's investing our life into the church. It's all that that has eternal value. Because gold, the more you refine it, the cleaner it gets. And it just gets better. Straw are the things of this world that pass away. And how are we building our life? We'll have to go back and look. Our last year, our last week, our last month. 
What did we build on? If it's if my heart and my concentration were on things that pass away, when the time comes, there's not much structure there. You see the day. Paul talks about the day. <clears throat> For the day will declare it what kind of work we're building. And uh, traditionally, the day has been seen as the Lord's return. And I would agree. I believe when the Bible speaks about the day, it's when the Lord returns. But I have also come to realize that we have visitations continuously in our journey that test our faith and how we have been building. Let's go back to what Jesus said. The floods came, the storms came. How are we doing? This is another day when we're tested. These are times of grace to prepare us for the day when the Lord returns. It's these times of visitation that test our faith in Christ. So we have to pay attention to what we're building on. We are, doing the we are examining ourselves. That's also humility. We don't go around proudly, having our head up high and think we're doing something. We examine ourselves continuously to see and to test, to test if we're in the faith. And he went on to say in verse 16, Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. This is humbling. And I know these verses go further than just the Holy Spirit within us. It's also God dwelling among a people. And he wants this temple to be pure. He wants this temple to be clean. He wants this temple to be a dwelling place for him. And in other words, he's saying that that temple has to be cleansed and purified and built up and not destroyed. His desire is to build not only us as his followers, but also his church. He talks about building his church. Jesus put up the building on the foundation on another level. In Luke 14, <clears throat> if we look at what Jesus said there, Luke 14, verse 25. Now great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intend to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. See, Jesus knows what it takes 
The foundation is usually very receptive to the hearer. We, we get excited. Um, we can read that in the, the parable of the sower. Jesus talked about one of them. It's those who readily receive the word. And we start building. And maybe a lot of times the foundation is in order. But what if we don't build with precious stones? How about the building? And he said, Jesus warned, all who see it begin to mock him. And that's a shame. If we're not building as an individual, as a, as a people, a reflection of what Christ can do and who Christ is, it's going to be a mockery. God is real. His desires are real. So it has to be in the center of our heart and minds to build with precious stones. Now the big question is, how do we build? We know what it means to have a sure foundation, which is Jesus Christ. And it's more than a mental aspiration. It's accepting him, believing him, accepting him, and following him and being obedient to him. But what about the building? We know what it means, like I said, to have a sure foundation. So to get a good glimpse, let's look at Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to start at verse 2. Second Peter chapter 1. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world, again, there is a position of repentance and forgiveness, which is part of our foundation. So he continues to admonish them to build on their foundation. Verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge. Adding to faith virtue, which is the action of uh, morality. The dictionary puts, his, puts it as a conformity to a standard of right. And in this sense, it's the standard of our faith. It's adhering to the law of faith and to walk it out. Giving all diligence add to your faith virtue. Obedience, like James puts it pretty clear in the epistle of James. And to virtue knowledge. We have to be, we have to be built up in knowledge. To knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness. <clears throat> when Peter made this list, we fully believe he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. This particular building sequence should be identifiable to us if we're building. 
He didn't just come up with it, something pretty to fill in some lines. I believe he had something in mind. I believe as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, he was looking at individuals and he said, and he was going to say, this is what it should look like. And to the action of our faith knowledge. And I believe, as I said before, that is studying and taking in more of God in the scriptures. It has to be part of our lives to study the word and gain more knowledge in Christ. Add to knowledge self-control. That is choosing to apply our knowledge and to walk in obedience rather than walking after our flesh. Romans 8.1 there's therefore now condemnation to those who walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. It takes the temperance in us to choose to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and to the word of God. To self-control and perseverance. Endurance and remaining faithful to what has been given. Being faithful. To perseverance and godliness. That same word can be interchanged with holiness, producing godliness or bringing forth life. Bring Christ to those around us. Christ should come forth in us. We, we are, as God's children, we're supposed to be able to bless um, those around us in, in Christ. To godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Now, what I find interesting is verse 7. To produce godliness, we are commended to be kind to those around us. To consider and show mercy to those around us. To brotherly kindness, we add love. Why did he have kindness and love as the ultimate goal, as the ultimate finishing touch to our building as we build our faith. Sometimes, something that, that I realize, and I realize that more and more as we're attempting to live out the commandments of Christ, the kingdom life in fellowship with our brothers and sisters, to the degree, to the degree which we love our brothers and sisters, is a measure of our maturity in Christ. To me, it's not in spirituality, it's not in eloquency of speech, but in serving and loving those around us with a Christ-like love. After all the building he had there, that Peter had there, he came down to Add to brotherly kindness, to godliness, brother, add brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. There's something in us, a breaking down, that needs to happen in order for us to love with a Christ-like love. And in order to understand that properly, we look to Christ. What kind of a man did it take? To walk up Calvary, blameless, sinless, without any accusation that was standing, pure, the spotless lamb, 
And yet he went in obedience because he loved us. Before we even knew him, the scripture says, he loved us. What kind of a love does then need to live out our lives as such as Christ did? As the scripture commends us to have this mind which was in Christ Jesus, let that also be in you. There is a working of God in our life that needs to happen in order for that love to come forth and be directed towards other people. There is a, a working out that can only come through a refining of the Holy Spirit. First John 4.12 No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. God abides in us. And His love has been perfected in us. Just take a one minute and think about this verse. He said, no one has seen God at any time. But here's evidence. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. So as we've come to that position, as we let the sanctifying power of Christ work in us, There's, there's a kindness and a love that comes forth where his love is being perfected in us. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And no matter how we try, we'll not be able to produce that on our own. We'll fail. We'll get frustrated. And... We'll go back and forth. Tomorrow, today we'll hit. Tomorrow we love. The next day we'll hit. Because it will be of our own strength, our own flesh. It has to be part of the sanctifying work of Calvary. Back to First Peter, Second Peter, verse 8. <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 8. For if these things are yours and abound, the steps there, you will be neither barren, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will be not unfruitful, you will not be barren in the knowledge. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he has cleansed, that he was, has cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, You will never stumble. So let's go back and look at that list. And is that list working out in our lives? Be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For an entrance, verse 11, for an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. An everlasting, no, uh, an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. So if, if these building structures are in order in our lives, if we humble ourselves before the Lord and let these structures be in order, 
he says, an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into, everla into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So which one of these commandments do we want to omit? As, as we're building our, um, on our foundation, so to speak, which one of these materials or attributes do we want to admit? Omit, sorry. Many want to stop at knowledge. But what is knowledge if it doesn't produce fruit? What is knowledge if it does not convert to wisdom eventually? Some of us, some are escaping most of the list and jumping to love. But we will find out that doesn't work either. Because it's the refining work of Christ in our life that produces that whole list. We have to diligently build on our foundation and grow in faith, and grow from faith to faith. So in conclusion, as we're looking to Jesus and to the Word of God, I want to emphasize, unless we are built up, as we read in 2 Peter 1, we will not experience the riches of Christ in our lives. But we have to remember, building is hard work, and it's not plague. Romans 12.1 I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When we faithfully seek to build on the Lord Jesus Christ, the most important building structure is love. It's eternal. It's an attribute that comes from God and reflects who God is in our lives. John 15, Jesus said in verse 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this than to lay down one's life for his friend. You are my friends if you do whatever I commend you. And one of the greatest witnesses of the church is living out the Christ-like love among the members. So, in closing, I would like to use a story for a final illustration of, my, of the main point. It's called the carpenter story. An elderly Carpenter was ready to retire. He told his employer contractor of his plans to leave the house building business and live a more leisurely life with his wife, enjoying his extended family. He would miss the paycheck, but the time was right and he was ready to hang up the hammer. His boss was disappointed as the carpenter had been a loyal and diligent worker for many years, so he was sad to see him go. He asked for one more last favor, requesting that the carpenter could build just one more house before retiring. The carpenter said yes. By the time it was easy to see that his heart was not in the work, was not in his work. He resorted to shoddy workmanship and used inferior materials. It was an unfortunate way to end a dedicated career. When the carpenter finished his work, his boss came to inspect the house. 
He handed the front door key to the carpenter. This is your house, he said. My gift to you. And the carpenter was shocked. What a shame. If, if he had only known he was building his own house, he would have done it all so differently. Now he had to live in the home he had built none too well. So it is with us. We're all in the process of building our lives, building our house. Do we go about working with diligence or do we slack and put in a slipshod work, put in, put in without effort? Do we go about working with passion or with caring? Every day we have to live. We live as if the great inspector is paying us a visit and checking out our work. We also are building a house. May we not only build it for ourselves, but for the King of Kings and his kingdom. May we build, stand, may our building stand the test of time with Christ being the chief cornerstone. Amen. So, amen. May we be encouraged to, to build, not only have our foundation in order, but to build on that foundation with precious stones. Not with things that burn, that don't stand the test of time, but that we build with precious metals. Something that, something that lasts into eternity. So, amen.